0: The reading this morning is Psalms 42 and 43, which can be found on page 567 in the Church Bibles. Psalms 42 and 43. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? my tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long where is your god these things i remember as i pour out my soul how i used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of god with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng why are you downcast O my soul why so disturbed within me put your hope in god for i will yet praise him I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go out mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go out about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, On these Sunday mornings, we're doing something slightly different from normal. Uh, If you've not been uh, with us or with us for the first time, we are looking at a series of talks called the human journey. I suppose it's essentially a Christian view of uh, health uh, and human life from the beginning to the end. Last time we considered physical health as uh, Philip, one of our GPs in our congregation shared with us uh, about that. And and today we're looking at uh, mental health. Uh, It's a big subject, uh, like last time, uh, and uh, we're going to need God's help. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll consider this subject uh, together. Heavenly Father, as we think about uh, mental illness, uh, and uh, when uh, these things go wrong for us, uh, we ask for your help. We ask that you'll shine your light on this subject, and we ask that you'll help us as a church to be a more caring community, particularly for those struggling with mental health at this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 12, verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Mental illness is disturbing, uh, painful, stigmatised still and not fully understood. And if we're Christian, we should not shy away from it. It's a form of suffering that the Bible knows about. And as Christians, we are called to respond with care, uh, with empathy, uh, uh, as with all uh, other suffering. And the Christian Church, uh, the Christian Church family, is a, a great place for us to support one another as we struggle with all kinds of things in life. I'm going to ask four questions about mental illness this morning uh, as we have an all-too-brief look at it. It's going to go quite fast uh, and it may probably raise more questions uh, than it gives answers. If that's the case, do come and chat with me afterwards and I can suggest ways of following up this subject. But four questions. First, what is mental illness? Well, it's common. It's shockingly common. About one in four of us will experience some kind of mental health problem in the course of a year. About 9% of us meet the criteria for mixed anxiety and depression. About one in six of us will suffer with the more severe clinical depression at some point during our lives. Mental health problems can affect all ages, from children uh, right up to the end of life. It's common. Second, to say that it's real uh, but a complex range of disorders of the mind. Various mental disorders have been laboriously classified after careful study of lots and lots of people by psychiatrists and others over many, many years. It is clear that they're not imagined. It's not uh, uh, all in the mind, uh, as as people say. Uh, They're not uh, easy to understand. Uh, They are complex, but they are real. And the reliability of many psychiatric diagnoses has been shown to exceed that of many so-called physical uh, medical problems, where you've got hard uh, data, such as x-rays or blood tests, uh, to help. Let me just list uh, a range of some of the main mental health problems, just to show the great breadth uh, of issues we're talking about. There are what's called organic problems, such as dementia. There are disorders caused by taking drugs or alcohol to excess. There are problems like schizophrenia and the delusional disorders. There are mood disorders such as depression, anxiety and stress-related disorders, eating disorders such as bulimia, disorders of adult personality, psychological developmental disorders like autism and many other problems as well. To make a diagnosis, a condition must fulfill a number of carefully, carefully defined diagnostic criteria, which is why it's important to say that diagnosis and treatment are things that really only trained specialists uh, are able uh, to do safely. So being anxious or feeling low are not the same as being diagnosed with clinical depression. Uh, And this is something that we uh, often uh, struggle to fully uh, understand. Despite much better knowledge uh, than in the past, there is still a lot we do not know, and there's still a good deal of stigma attached to mental illness. And sadly, this occurs within the church. I wonder, how many people do you know uh, who are happy uh, to admit that they are taking antidepressants uh, as opposed to antibiotics? Well there's the first question, what is mental illness? What causes mental illness? Well genes, physical and social environment and lifestyle choices all play a part in our mental health. Several schools of thought have developed uh, to explain uh, why someone may have a particular disorder. Uh, Let's consider depression uh, for a moment. It's an example of something that is very common. Uh, It's a quite a big condition, covering a range, uh, a sort of spectrum really, uh, of uh, uh, types uh, of depressive uh, disorders. And so there are lots of theories about it, uh, and so it's quite a good one uh, for us to consider as an example. Biological uh, models attribute depression to biochemical change within the brain. This may occur due to some genetic vulnerability that we possess, uh, and result in an imbalance uh, in the brain's nerve pathways. And so depression is, if you like, a brain state. You can't just snap out of it. You can't just pull yourself together. It takes time uh, for it to shift, can I mean, be weeks uh, and months. Psychological models see depression as learning an unhelpful uh, or an inaccurate way of thinking about ourselves and the world around. For example, learning a pattern of helplessness. Uh, There's pain that we can't get away from uh, and it gets so much that we give up trying. Uh, And the consequent distorted view of the world might lead us to habitual negative thoughts about ourselves and others uh, and negative uh, and distorted interpretations of things that happen to us. Uh, This is called the cognitive behavioral model of depression, you may have have heard of that kind of therapy, there are other forms of psychological theory as well. Sociological models focus on things like isolation, socially, and especially on too many major life events occurring over a short period of time. For example, divorce, followed by a house move, followed by unemployment is a cocktail that makes you very vulnerable or existential models, as they are called. These attribute depression to a loss of meaning, or purpose, or a failure to find it. Uh, Viktor Frankl uh, was a psychiatrist associated with this school of thought. He was a concentration camp survivor and he observed that those who came through less traumatized psychologically from that experience were those who had a sense of meaning uh, to their lives. Well, what are we to make of such a variety of models? Can they all be true? Well, each has some scientific evidence. Each of these may play a part in the development of depression. And perhaps that explains why depression seems to respond to such a variety of treatments to medication, to exercise, to electroconvulsive therapy, uh, to talking therapies, to being in a supportive community. In any individual case, one of these things, biological, psychological, social or existential factors, may be the main cause. But often, in fact more often than not, there is a mixture. Perhaps we have a biological vulnerability. We're more likely uh, to become depressed than others. This interacts with stressful events that happen to us uh, and there's a distorted pattern of thinking and responding to those. And so we become depressed. This sort of complexity of cause happens with other mental health problems as well. But none of this makes any of them less real. And this is really important for us to grasp if we are going to try and be a help to those suffering. In fact, as Christians, one of the most helpful things we can bring to the subject is to see that the Bible actually has a framework of human history, of human life, that gives some explanation as to why mental illnesses and problems happen in the first place. So go back to the beginning of the Bible, and we read that God created human beings that were physically and mentally very good, whole, as Genesis chapter 1 describes us. Their thoughts, feelings, and actions were all in harmony with the God of love. All physical, psychological, social, uh, and existential things, you could maybe perhaps call it existential better, spiritual needs, all of these needs were met through a loving face-to-face relationship with the God who made us. That's how things were at the beginning. And hand-in-hand in, hand in that, there were harmonious relationships with other people, Uh, with work, uh, as it's pictured in the Garden of Eden, and with that environment. There was no anxiety, no guilt, uh, and no conflict. But, tragically, the early chapters of Genesis describe how the first human beings rejected God's loving rule. The result means that we are now cut off from God. And God, in response to our rejection of him, placed much greater burdens on human life and you can see in the early chapters of Genesis how each of these four sort of areas that give rise to mental illness uh, are in fact uh, damaged in some way. So biologically we uh, now face death. We face a disturbed environment and the harmony with nature is lost. So it reads, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Psychologically, uh, you see an internal disintegration in the first people. It leads to fear, to shame, to anxiety. Uh, And we see it in particular as the first human beings hide uh, from God. Sociologically, the The precious, perfect relationships are destroyed. It's not just separation from God, uh, but as we made ourselves like little gods, wanting to rule over the world ourselves, uh, we see human beings fight with each other. Genesis 3 shows the start of the battle of the sexes. Genesis 4, the first murder. And then existentially, we see separation from God due to our sin. This results in spiritual death as human beings are cut off uh, from the tree of life, cut off from a loving relationship with our Creator that we were made for. So you can see the Bible provides an overarching framework from the way we are created uh, and from our fall from that original goodness that explains the different causes of mental illness and so we are all therefore susceptible to mental illness simply by virtue of being human. It's part of the fallen human condition. Now the Bible also provides, however, the ultimate solution to all of these problems. We rejected God, but he, though he is perfectly good and angry with our sinful behavior and for ruining his world, yet his love for us still overcomes this. And he himself came in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born uh, and he came to make peace with our race and to give the opportunity for people to have life with him in this life uh, and ultimately eternal life. We may be forgiven and have peace with him and find that he gives us, as a result of that, scope for improving our psychological health, scope for improving our social well-being, And giving us true meaning and hope. But heaven is yet to come and so Christians still live with all the consequences of the human fall. We can see improvements in mental health due to being Christian. Indeed, in fact, there's lots of evidence, uh, lots of population studies that show uh, the benefits to health uh, and mental health of religious involvement and personal faith. But Heaven is not yet. We may still suffer with every kind uh, of mental disorder. So the Bible gives us an overarching explanation uh, for the reasons for mental illness. It also contains personal descriptions that that people wrote down of every kind of distress and emotion. And the people of the Bible clearly recognised insanity uh, and mental uh, disorder as a condition. So what causes uh, mental illness? That's the second question. Then the third question, who suffers from mental illness? Well, the answer, as we can see, is that all types of people may. None of us are immune. Christians certainly are not uh, immune. Uh, Though being uh, a Christian is, I believe, mental health promoting, it doesn't mean that we can't suffer severely uh, from mental illness. There are many examples of Christians who have. Famous ones like the poet William Cooper, like Spurgeon, Luther, like C.S. Lewis, like Christina Rossetti, and countless less famous Christian people who have suffered greatly. And it can be very difficult for Christians. We instinctively feel, I'm not supposed to feel like this. I'm supposed to feel joy if I'm a Christian. And it's, and it's even worse than that because we find that our previous Christian experience and our consciousness of God uh, suffers uh, as a result. Uh, in the rest of this talk, I've got some, some quotes from Christians who have suffered. Uh, some of these are people that uh, I've spoken to uh, about this, others from cases uh, that I have read. So just to read a couple of quotes of how, how Christians have uh, struggled with this, uh, here's one, uh, a lady called Anne. Spiritually, I felt at first, she's talking about depression, that God was punishing me for being insecure and proud rather than finding my security in him. This meant it was really hard to turn to him for comfort and help. But in time, I saw this was a wrong view of grace and depression. Or here's another one. Although I rarely find my find myself doubting the facts of the Christian faith when I'm really poorly I sometimes find it very difficult to feel the reality of God's love for me in Jesus or hang on to the hope that he has given me for the future and his grace to me in the present well some more uh, quotes later all types of people may suffer from mental illness but then a fourth and final question What help is there? What help is there? Well, we have uh, considered biological, psychological, social, and spiritual or existential causes. And it's no surprise, therefore, that mental health problems can find help uh, often in these four areas. Now, minor, more, sorry, more mild mental health uh, difficulties or reactions to stress may pass with time. Especially if there's a chance for a rest, uh, or to have a holiday, or a chance just to make sure I'm eating well, exercising, having friends and family around. But what if things don't get better? Uh, Or what if they get worse? Well, there are some useful self-help books uh, around, both secular and uh, Christian resources. But a good first port of call, if things are not improving, is to see a GP. Some mental health symptoms are caused by other underlying medical problems and a GP may be able to unearth that for you. GPs also see lots and lots of mental distress and problems, more than anyone else, in fact, Uh, and so they're very useful to talk to. And also they know how to refer you to more specialist help. Well, what are the specific kinds of things that can help? What about biological? Uh, Well, usually... Uh, this uh, is referring to medication. Sometimes medication can help to get us through a crisis uh, and sometimes medication can help in the longer term uh, and some people benefit from being on it uh, sort of uh, you know, permanently really. For example, what about uh, antidepressants, one of the most common things prescribed. Uh, if a A doctor prescribes us uh, with antidepressants for clinical depression. I think a Christian uh, shouldn't worry too much about taking them. Uh, They may be helpful. Uh, It may be helpful to think of them uh, as a a mental or emotional plaster cast. Uh, Just as you put on uh, a plaster cast if you've broken a leg, uh, that that helps you to begin proper healing, uh, that allows you to sort of function normally in the early stages of healing. Well, so antidepressants can allow someone to regain some mental control uh, and balance, some emotional breathing space uh, to think about issues uh, and to plan how to make progress. What about psychological uh, treatments? Talking, what I call talking therapies or psychotherapy or uh, counselling. Well, if offered, uh, these may well uh, be a good idea for us to take them up. Uh, There are specific Christian counselling services available in uh, Basingstoke. Uh, Or there's more technical uh, psychotherapy, such as cognitive behaviour therapy. Uh, If, as Christians, we engage in these, it may well be wise to also uh, have support from others to talk about how it's going. Uh, It may be good to have a Christian to debrief with uh, and uh, find support as we go along. Not all therapists are Uh, equally sympathetic or understanding uh, of of Christianity. And it may be good to have others to talk uh, about uh, these things with. What about help with social uh, things? Well, this is where family uh, and church family can be most helpful. uh, Or not. Uh, In fact, I'll uh, give another quote at this point, another couple of quotes. Anne wrote... Medication, pastoral care, counselling, friends and a structured lifestyle have also been a great help. Someone said to me that love and work are the best cures to depression and it's wonderful how God provides relationship and purpose in so many different ways. Or here's uh, another person. He said, I had two friends who met with me separately more or less weekly. Uh, Their gift to me was that they listened without trying to fix me. It was hard when people did try to fix me, especially when the solutions were simplistic. What I needed were folk who were ready to share the load with me a little, rather than run away uh, from it. Sadly, Christians can be really unhelpful uh, to those of us uh, in our midst who are struggling with mental health problems. We may just feel awkward uh, and ignore things. We may run away from uh, suffering in our midst. or We may see how difficult it is uh, and keep our distance. Or, as he wrote, we may also make the other mistake of trying to fix things simply, where the problem actually won't go away uh, straight away at all. Uh, and so, for Christians uh, struggling with mental health Uh, Illness. Uh, Those kind of simplistic solutions uh, are not necessarily the answer. But we do also have the Christian gospel itself, uh, which is important to keep going on with. Things may not be felt uh, as they once were, but they can be held on to, uh, as we saw in our reading. Uh, The truths can even have an impact to help us recover. So continuing to keep up with ordinary Christian discipleship is important. It's much harder to restart something after you've stopped it for a while uh, than to keep it going, even if uh, you're keeping it going in a a much more limited way than you did when you were well. Things like prayer, Bible reading, and fellowship with other Christians uh, are vital. Let me read again a final uh, quote. Three things spring to mind that God used to help keep me going during the darkest days. Friends and family whose love and care and time made Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 come to life. That's a prayer about how we may support and encourage one another. Good quality Christian hymns, new and old that spoke truth to my troubled soul, and the hope of Revelation 21 when everything will be made new and perfect in heaven. It is very helpful for us to see in the Bible people of real faith experience the whole range of human emotions including the deepest grief, trials and lowness of spirit. For example uh, in Psalm uh, 88 uh, it ends, uh, the darkness is my closest friend. Uh, A friend of mine when he Uh, was suffering with severe depression, found this verse strangely comforting. A lot of the Psalms work through some trouble and end in a positive uh, affirmation, Uh, but this one doesn't, uh, and he found it comforting to see that it was possible to continue as a Christian, even when you were feeling like the darkness was your closest friend rather than God, uh, and keep going. The Psalmist, in fact, hadn't let go of God. He's still clinging to him even though he felt closer to the darkness. And then what about Psalm 42 and 43, uh, our reading? They give us some help, I think, uh, for those of us struggling with mental health problems. If you've got it there, do um, uh, have it open. You can see, can't you, that the psalmist uh, is away from Jerusalem. He's away from the place in the Old Testament where God's symbolic presence dwelt. And you can see, can't you, he's experiencing some kind of oppression. Uh, It's there in Psalm 43 in particular. Uh, It's quite probable that these two psalms certainly go together. You can see the similarity between them. Uh, And it may even be that they were one psalm originally. And so this person's soul is downcast and he's longing for the presence of God. It's not so much that he's suffering with clinical depression or a mental health problem per se. Uh, We can't actually conclude that for certain. It's more likely that he's just struggling with grief. And in his grief, he has symptoms that a depressed person would certainly recognize. He can't stop crying. He's downcast, he's disturbed and overwhelmed. Physically, his body aches often Uh, In severe depression, there are physical, bodily symptoms. Spiritually, he feels that God has forgotten him and that he's beyond God's reach. He feels abandoned by God. Uh, And this is very normal for a depressed uh, believer. It's not the reality, but it feels like it. And so this person is bewildered, confused, helpless, and overcome. And yet there is much in the way that he reacts to the situation that we can learn from in terms of us handling our emotions or handling our distress. There's there's two things in particular that he does. First, he pours out, he pours it all out honestly before God. He asks God questions. He doesn't bottle it up. Even though he sometimes accuses God of forgetting him, his faith still shines through as he he asks God uh, for help. And then second, you can see that as well as asking God, he also almost, if you like, preaches to himself. He tries to sort of stand back from himself and point out some things to his own soul. He lets the objective truths that he knows about God speak to the subjective feelings that are causing him to question God. He tells himself, doesn't he, to put his hope in God, even though it doesn't come naturally. Yet he almost sort of forces himself to take the conscious decision uh, to do it. And as he does these two things, you can see, can't you, that hope reappears because he says, I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. There's no joy in the present for him but he holds on to the hope that God will somehow bring him back to the place uh, of praise again. He doesn't know when or how but he's clinging to the promises and the character of God who is his saviour. Well this is not an easy subject is it for us uh, to deal with and this time is far too short Uh, And I expect that, as I said before, I've raised more questions uh, than answers. But I hope in looking through these four uh, questions as we've done, we are slightly more aware, at least of the variety, the complexity and the causes of mental illness. And it's my prayer that we'll be slightly more honest with each other uh, about the struggles we may have. And also that we may be slightly more willing to put ourselves out for those who are struggling in this way. It's not easy uh, to do that, it can be exhausting. And it's not that we can kind of bear our souls to every single person in church and seek to support every single person in church in the same way. But as that guy said, you know, having one or two key relationships, key friends to support us during the hard times can be particularly key. If these things have, affected us in some way, then I hope we'll be a little bit more like the church that God calls us to be. And as Paul put it, a church who rejoices with those who rejoice and weeps with those who weep. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray and ask that you will help us. Help us to understand a little bit more the problems we may suffer as fallen humans. Help us to be able to share those problems a little bit better with each other. And help us to selflessly put ourselves out a little bit more uh, for those within our church family and those within our lives who are struggling in these ways. That we may truly be those who rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And so serve you better in this world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.